Good morning. Good morning. Now, if you are not seeing me clearly, uh, blame Zesco, uh, because what I generally do in the morning requires Zesco. That's the reason uh, for this um, barrier. Uh, so if there is any barrier between yourselves and me, uh, please uh, let's complain to Zesco. Matthew chapter 5. Uh, but before you go to Matthew, just uh, one appeal uh, from last, doors, last Lord's Day's uh, sermon, that if you are a youth, uh, I sincerely mean this, if you are a youth and uh, you don't, you've not found your feet here, you don't know what ministry to belong to, what activity to be involved in, please come uh, to the office during the week. Uh, anytime from Tuesday to Saturday, Let's talk. Uh, it was not just academic. It was not simply to prove a point that it was Youth Week or Youth Day, but literal an invitation uh, to all of us who are youths. And we are not involved in anything regularly in the ministry of the church. Come uh, and we talk. Uh, if we need to retire, Valiena, we will do that so that we get you in the office. He's up for retirement, by the way. Uh, so please do come. Uh, sincerely do come. Uh, even if you don't know, but you'd like uh, to be involved, let's come and talk. Uh, Tuesday through to Saturday, the office is available uh, for that discussion. Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. We read again from verse 1 to 11. We've been considering the Sermon on the Mount and that section which is referred to as the Beatitudes. The Sermon on the Mount and that section uh, that is referred to as the Beatitude. Verse 1 of Matthew chapter 5, reading from the English Standard Version, seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. He opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Let's pray. We thank you, our Father in heaven, that you've given us yet again another brand new day, glorious Lord's Day. We ask that as we worshipped you in songs, in the notices, the reading of your word in prayer, in fellowship, in the study, and as we continue to do so with the children in the Bible studies and children's ministry, 
and us here in the reflecting on your word in preaching, we ask that you may bless us and cause us to know your goodness, cause us to experience your presence, cause us to love you, to love your word and to apply it in our lives. Save our Father, we plead this morning, rebuke, challenge, call, encourage and excite to your work, to holiness, to faithfulness, and to obedience to Christ. We ask our God that you grant vessel of preaching, grace required to preach your word faithfully, overrule individual weaknesses, and grant that the hearers also will receive your word readily, expectantly, and as we've sung, that will receive it personally, but also collectively. Bless us together, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. A benediction for the mourners. A benediction for the mourners. Imagine for a moment that you have a funeral. And somebody stood up in that funeral and began by saying, you are a blessed family because you are mourning. Imagine for a moment to go to Angola, Zimbabwe, and those nations that have experienced the calamities they have. Go on national television and announce to those countries that they are blessed because lives in those countries have been lost. God loves them. That's the reason for those calamities. They are blessed. Imagine for a moment in your family, you have people that are unwell. Somebody comes to your home and says to you, you are blessed because you have sick people in this family. Imagine for a moment that one of your members in the family is arrested for a crime they have not committed. Somebody says, this family is blessed because one of your members is arrested. In real life, and I'm not saying the biblical life is not real, in daily practice, in our day-to-day -day experience, we do not associate blessedness to suffering, to difficulties, to death, to persecution, and all kinds of things. Such people, we do not speak of them as blessed. And like we indicated in our reflecting on Beatitudes, that they are radical, revolutionizing statements. They kind of go against the tide of the world. That even in this context as you read, that that's not how people view blessings. We say blessings in this way. How are you? Very well, thank you. I've generally enjoyed good health this year. No, last year I fell sick six times. This year, then we say to them, That's what we associate blessings with. Blessed are you because this year you've bought not one, but five Mercedes-Benz vehicles. And one is for your child who's one year old. That's what this life associates blessings with. 
you do not read in the newspapers, blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Blessed are those who are being ostracized. Blessed are those who are displaced. Blessed are those whose homes have... You don't read such statements. But that's what we read in the text before. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn. To replace mourn with the lamentation word, blessed are those who lament. Blessed, blessed are those who grieve. Blessed are those who, as it were, in a qualified sense, bereaved. Blessed are those who are weeping. Blessed are those who are crying. If you cried this morning, you are blessed. If you didn't shed tears, uh, sorry to announce, don't fit. But here is how Luke puts it in Luke chapter 6, verse 21 and verse 25. Luke chapter 6, verse 21, 25. Blessed are you, just in case you're thinking, are you sure you are being accurate to replace mourning with weeping? Well, that's how Luke records it, and he's still recording what Jesus said, and it's the same. Blessed are you who weep now. So it qualifies the Matthew there. It is also clear mourn is basically mourners presently and as a lifestyle. And Luke says, blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Woe to you who laugh now, verse 25, for you shall mourn and weep. Uh, so guess what? If you laughed this morning, that's what you are doing just now. Now that's dangerous. Or oh, you're doing it again. What to you who laugh now? For you shall mourn and weep. A benediction for the mourners. In life, a benediction for the mourners is most <clears throat> unexpected. We generally regard mourners as the most unfortunate people. When you have a loss in the family, when you have sickness, whatever it is, calamity, we call that misfortune. A terribly unfortunate. We generally regard mourners as the most unfortunate people. We see them as people to be pitied, people to be helped people to be comforted. And the scripture does call us to do that. But not as those who we must envy because they are recipients or they are in a position, their status is a status of blessedness. We did observe that the Lord Jesus Christ here is making affirmations. Blessed are you, blessed are you. That's what is true if or this indication 
points out the fact that you are blessed. And the text basically means this. If you characterize my mourning and mourning in a qualified sense, the Lord Jesus would be saying, well, that's a characteristic of the blessed. The fact that you mourning qualified, you are blessed. This characterization is true. So we do not envy those who mourn because in this life they are not necessarily a blessed people. In the world, blessing and mourning are rarely posed, are generally posed apart. Blessed are those who mourn is not day-to-day -day language. Blessed are those who mourn, says the Lord Jesus Christ, because they shall be comforted. In opening up this beatitude, we answer the following questions. Blessed are those who mourn, says the Lord Jesus Christ, because they shall be comforted. But in opening up this beatitude, we answer the following questions. Question one. What did Jesus mean by blessed are those who mourn? Which mourning proves the status of being blessed? It's one question. What did Jesus mean by blessed are those who mourn and the underlined phrase, those who mourn? And that's what I'm qualifying. Which mourning, which weeping, what grief, what lamenting proves the status of being blessed? Obviously, Jesus clearly did not mean mourning as a result of suffering bereavement. That's not what Jesus means. Jesus does not mean by the fact that Angola, and I pray that we will respond and play our duty as individuals and as a local church to alleviate the suffering there, but simply because you have a tsunami, uh, is it I die? Is that the name of the cyclone? Uh, I die and somebody I think was telling me why do the they name these tsunamis and cyclones after women's names? Uh, so the next one might be Liena. But the fact that they have experienced this cyclone does not necessarily mean that this blessing is theirs. That's not the sense of the text. It does not mean the fact that you cry and you seek you unwell, you are therefore necessarily blessed. Otherwise, we do not need church. All we need is simply, can we please have a funeral? And then we'll get blessed. Now we know all of us that's not what the text means. It does not mean simply because you suffer misfortune that you are blessed. If you are a student, it does not mean when you fail your exam that you are blessed. It doesn't. You, you may fail the exam and still be in the category that is not blessed. Jesus did not mean sinful mourning like that of Cain in Genesis. Remember, when Cain kills his brother and the judgment is pronounced, one of his statements was a statement of lament. God, the punishment is too much. I don't think he's making the statement smiling. <laughs> the, the, <laughs> God, you are fine. The, the punishment is too much, you know. That's not what he's doing. 
He's scared. He's worried. Says to God, punishment. The punishment is probably shedding tears. This punishment is too much. Everywhere I'll go, people will be after my life. That morning is not blessed. It's a sinful lamentation. Let me put it this way. When you caught stealing, because you are caught and you know the consequences, you, began, you begin to cry. That crying is not blessed. You shouldn't have been stealing in the first place. You may cry all you want. That morning is not what is meant here. So broadly speaking, it's not simply because you suffer misfortune. That's the cause of the blessing. The blessedness is because of this status as reality, as a characterization of your life. The fact that you sinfully mourn. I think the Apostle Paul tells us that there is a sorrow that leads to repentance and a sorrow or remorse that has nothing to do with repentance, but it's all the same sorrowfulness or remorsefulness, but one of them is not a blessing at all. The Judas Iscariot remorse. You realize too bad, but you don't do the right thing. All you do is throw the money and you run in the bush, look for a rope. It's not blessed. That's why policemen beat you if you survive such a one. And if I'm around you, I will physically cancel you as well. That kind of mourning and remorse is not blessed. And unfortunately, beloved, many of us major in such kind of mourning and remorse and crying. We, we, we lament only because we are caught. It's embarrassing. You know, if you are a wife or husband, you completely in tears, but the only reason you are crying is, what will people think? That kind of remorse and lament and everything, that does not take a step as we'll be seeing in the text, is not blessed. Is not blessed. So what did Jesus mean by blessed are those who mourn? Which mourning proves the status of being blessed? The mourning referred to in this beatitude is a fundamental mourning. It is the sorrow, the mourning of repentance. It is the mourning, the weeping, the crying over the consequences, the ugliness, the results of sin. It's the mourning because of the weight of being crushed. We live in a society that is preoccupied with self-satisfaction and self-gratification that mourning over sin is the last thing on their hearts. We live in a society that prides in committing sin. We live in a society that some women from Ghana say things like this. 
I pay male prostitutes because I have no time for a long-lasting relationship. So I pay them, they service me, I run on, and they do this on television. That's a society we live in. We live in a society that boasts in corruption. They solicit it openly and publicly. We do not mourn over sin. We will live in a society that worships sin. We live in a society that says wearing miniskirts is a woman right. That's the society we live in. We live in a society that says if a woman is not decently dressed and they are warning you are stumbling the brothers, it puts blame on the brothers. Says to them, nobody in church, it's not my fault, it's his fault. That's a society we live in. It's a society that says, Thou shalt not say this about my son because you have no right, even when that son is taking cocaine, the drug addict, Lubangula, Fiamba. Don't say anything. Even a society that says don't say anything negative about me. We do not mourn over sin. We are excited. No, it's, it's like in football. I remember way back there used to be a man, I'm not sure whether he's alive or late, Kapambwe Mulenga. And people knew that if there is a corner kick and you are standing next to Kapambe Mulenga, move away. Because Ale Shopola. If you don't understand the language, don't worry, we'll try to anglicize it. That if you try to jump and head the ball in the net, Kapambe will step on your feet. And as you want to go up, you come down and sprain your ankle. And people say, Pambe, look at you. <laughs> we celebrate. A wrong way of playing football. That's the world we live. We do not grieve. Like I've said before, somebody is being beaten. We take videos because we want to post it. Somebody's crying, I am dying. That's when we even zoom in. That's the society we live in. We do not mourn over sin. We applaud it. Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn over sin. Because people do not grieve over their sin in their hearts and in their lives, they do not repent. Just in case you're saying, are you sure we have an example of somebody mourning? Yes, I do. We just read David. We just read David. Here is his language. And he's not, if this is a poem or a psalmist saying loudly, he's not celebrating. 
This is not a poem of celebration. This is not a psalm, as it were, of praise. This is a psalm of lament. This is a psalm of mourning. This is echoing to God. This is my situation. And here is what he's saying in that psalm. Have mercy on me, O God, according to unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgression and my sin is always before me. Against you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. Not just sinned now, sinful I was. Surely I was sinful at birth. Sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Verse 7, cleanse me. In other words, I'm filthy. Nobody celebrates being dirty unless you're mentally sick. Or maybe I need to qualify it. Unless you are also probably a young man. Some young men celebrate dirt. Look at verse 8. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you've crushed rejoice. His mourning, the experience of sin and the consequences of it. My bones are crushed. I have no joy and gladness. I hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Is mourning, lamenting, oversee. And of people like this, the text would say, such ones are blessed. Because people do not grieve over their sin, in their hearts and in their lives, they do not repent. We repent because we, are, we realize that we're walking a wrong path. We're walking a dangerous path. We're walking a path that leads to death. We have a weight. We, we have a burden. We're being driven down. And there is only one to set us free. There is only one to provide eternal joy and gladness. You will never repent until you acknowledge your sin is bad, it's evil, it's wicked, it's not nice. If your sin tastes like ice cream and that's all it tastes like, there will be no need. Turn away. That is why many a time we're confronted with reality when we faced with death. Many a time, even the most stubborn, when death is right in their face, you say to them, are you going where it's okay? Almost everybody on the deathbed will give you an ear to preach to them. Because in life, we do not sense this danger. We will okay. And Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn. Because people do not grieve over their sin in their hearts and in their lives, 
they do not repent. I would like to say this, beloved. The reason you live in your sin, even when you know it's evil, it's bad, it offends God, you do not know how ugly sin is. Consequences of sin. You probably think you get away with it. You probably think you are safe because nobody has seen you. I would like to announce again, please read Romans chapter 1. The wrath of God. The wrath of God is upon those who even when they knew how to glorify God, they refused. They instead invented ways of continuing to perpetuate evil and sin. The wrath, in case the wrath is a big word, the anger of God. That attribute many of us don't want to praise God for. Thank you that you are an angry God. Very few of us would want to say that. Please do know that's also part of his attribute. He's a God of wrath. He hates sin. He punishes sin. If you entertain, you courting, you playing, you celebrating, you, you worshiping sin, in the context of our verse, you're not blessed. You're not blessed. You're not part of what verse 3 would call the kingdom of God. You do not belong. If you do, you are terribly disobedient. Such that we must begin to ask, are you really sure you are actually saved? Blessed are those who mourn. There is a second dimension to the mourning referred in two in this beatitude. It's mourning to do with the sins of others. It's mourning to do with the sins of others. It's not just about your sin. Now, David is mourning about his sin, and there are many examples in the scriptures. Remember the Apostle Peter and company, they backslide, they encounter Jesus on the shore. They realize, oh, this is the man. This is the Savior. This is God who has been with us. And they fall and say, oh, it's you. It's you. We are sinners. But there is mourning for other people's sin. Jesus mourned at this level and only at this level. So identifying with Christ in mourning over for about sin, Jesus mourned and blessed, but he's not mourning because he's a sinner. He's not mourning because he's offended God. He cannot mourn in that sense, but he does mourn for others. Matthew 23, 37-38, to we read the following. Oh, Jerusalem. Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to eat. How often would have gathered your children together as a hen gathers a brood under her wings and you would not. See, your house is left to you desolate. And if you're reading that 
text and from the version I'm quoting, uh, there are, and you would not end with an exclamation mark. That's not an exclamation mark of excitement. That's not an exclamation mark of jubilation. It's an exclamation mark of sighing, of sorrow, of mourning, of deep grief. That's how the text begins. Oh, Jerusalem. What is problem with you, Jerusalem? Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets. Instead of listening and obeying to these prophets, you kill them. Oh, you Jerusalem. Why won't you flee and mourn? I am deeply saddened at your state of your existence. And stones those who are sent to it instead of receiving them. Again, that ends with an exclamation mark. That's not the normal reaction. How often, how often, how often, or if you are from some province, how often, how often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers a brood under her wings, and you would not pointed out your wrongs, shown you that you are walking the wrong path. Jesus is not going to be indifferent. The psalmist, in case you are saying, but it's Jesus we are talking about. Psalm 119. Psalm 119, verse 136, the psalmist mourned when he saw the wickedness of others. Is what he tells us. Psalm 119, verse 136, my eyes shed streams of tears. Why? Why are you shedding so much tears, you psalmist? What is your problem? Because people do not keep your law. God, people are sinners. That's what John will tell us. What is sin? It's the transgression of the law. It's the breaking of the law. Why are you psalmist crying? Why are you crying rivers? Because people do not keep your law. Because people do not grieve over sin in the society, they took no steps to set things right. Sharing with one brother about his attitude, and that should be our attitude, uh, that when he sees something wrong, he is troubled. But even though it might be risky, he takes a step takes a step. Now, I give the example not because women are worse sinners than men, but it's, it's the context. So you see this young lady who has a slit from the knee to the waist. Some of us just look and smile. 
bana bashino nshikwa mune nyokufala babana nabo na ikamwe awe cha ababana it's it's not an issue it's not an issue everyone like a tv but you bought the tv and the brother said i get troubled it's risky but i get troubled that as far as it's possible with me i take a step to ask i don't go to them and say sleep nice kapa west i begin to ask them so how are you it's good to have you so where did you come from uh, very good that's not so which church do you go to i am baptist at that point you slow down so which one you hoping they don't send dollar baptist <laughs> And when they say where they go then the fundamental question is asked are you saved you go to church you do this i am interested are you a christian because that question then provides the context if you are a christian then i can tell you that the bible says something about modesty decency and propriety The Bible says something about just saying anything. If you are a Christian, in other words, I am concerned for you. For your words, your conduct, your mannerisms, your behavior, the reports we getting from your workplace. That there you are the tyrant. Here you are the most gentle and tender individual. No be tender there and bring your tyranny at church. There is enough grace to neuter it down. Must be concerned. And here is how sometimes we are less concerned. That almost in every local church some young lady may be pregnant. The baby might even come. Maybe even seven months. I can assure you the last people who know about it are the elders. They will be the last. So when you say there is this information and members are looking at each other <laughs> that's when they have heard kale what was when in one month. <laughs> one month and what did you do? Gossip about it. That's what we do. We hear this daughter the son has done this we don't take biblical steps and one of them is inform the elders we make it a subject of gossip we use sin to sin more and my heart got this moy mule mona filia eh kuku wa mamu tamale mono bubinistala kwa imwe do the right thing You see a brother humble these days is looking very humble do what is right because people do not grieve over sin in the society we take no steps to correct them there is a third sense of what this morning is about it is a morning as a result of suffering particularly for those who suffer for their loyalty to god you mourn 
because you realize you are a sinner and unless god does something you are doomed you mourn because you may be pursuing a righteous and holy life but when you look in your community in your country in your town there is sin you don't go about being happy you mourn thirdly you may mourn simply because you are doing what is right and people hate your standing for what is right they persecute you you mourn the sense is echoed in Isaiah 61 please do turn to Isaiah 61 Isaiah 61 echoes that kind of mourning a mourning that is promised but a mourning because of doing what is right 61 verse 1 to 3 the spirit of the lord is upon me because the lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor he has sent me to bind up the broken hearted he has sent me to mend to bind the hearts of those who are mourning to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound to proclaim the year of the lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our god to comfort all who mourn and the context israel is in captivity israel is suffering israel is going difficulties not not because they brought it upon themselves but because life partly as a consequence of sin but this suffering is there in slavery and jesus is saying to them i will bring comfort to all who mourn to grant to those who mourn in zion to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes and oil of gladness instead of mourning the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit that they may be called ox of righteousness planting of the lord that he may be glorified where are they mourning israel is in zion and they are being accused of all kinds of things 1 Peter chapter 3:13 to 14 1 Peter chapter 3:13 to 14 The apostle Peter tells us that there is a morning that will come upon us we do not look for it but it will come and when it does come we should be ready for it 1 Peter 3:13 and 14 we read now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good but even if you should suffer for righteousness sake you'll be blessed even if you suffer you will mourn you'll be beaten left right and center for doing what is good well here is the announcement when you mourn like that when you suffer like that you will be blessed have no fear of them no be troubled 
But in your heart, regard Christ the Lord as holy. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. In the same letter, I will tell us, if you are to suffer, don't suffer because of being a thief. Don't suffer for doing wrong. Suffer because you're pursuing righteousness. And when you are exposed to lamenting, to sorrow, to mourning because of doing what is right, the Lord Jesus would say these words, blessed are you who mourn. You'll be comforted. In the context of that suffering, you'll be encouraged. You'll be strengthened. The Lord will not leave you in this life and in the life to come. Blessed are those who mourn. It is mourning in the above senses that has as its promise a blessedness that transcends the worldly conditions. So, beloved, I ask this question. Are you sure you mourn over your sin? Are you sure you mourn? Now, this is not just mourning before you get saved. This is pursuing holiness. This is asking, am I living a life that is pleasing to God? This is not just mourning in public. This is mourning in your bedroom. This is mourning when you are entertaining evil thoughts. This is mourning when you actually commit sin. This is mourning when you bribe a police officer as a driver because your tires are finished. Drive away and you say to yourself, Lord, how could I? How could I be so insensitive to this temptation? It is morning that in looking for a promotion, you sleep with your boss. You give them money. You sweet talk them. Or you betray somebody. It's morning that says that was wrong. It's morning when somebody says, I am very thirsty. Do you have a five quarter? Just need a bottle of water. And you say you don't have. And just 10 minutes down the road, you're buying talk time 100 quarter. You realize you haven't given an accurate response. You lied. It's morning. When you say to somebody, they phone you, where are you? You are still in the boardroom. You tell them, I am on the way. It's morning you realize you lied. Are you sure you mourn over your sin? If you do, why is that sin that you know about yourself still a part of you? Not for one month, for one year, for two years. For three years. You, you, you are not bothered. Why? Are you sure you mourn for the sins of others? If we truly mourn for the sins of others, we will all be proactively evangelistic. We see people that do not know Christ will not simply say to them, no, this life, it's your duty to evangelize to them. The problem is we do not mourn enough. 
Oh, but may I say, have you actually mourned? Have you suffered simply because you're pursuing what is right? Have you been victimized? I'm not saying apply for that victimization, but I can guarantee you, you do what is right at work. Stick to the biblical ethics. You will soon experience the persecution from those who like to compromise things. Reverend Simfukwe, when he worked for the Minister of Agriculture as a seed expert, one of the things he repeatedly received was, was being threatened to be killed. When he goes to this farmer and they are planting maize or groundnuts or millet or sorghum and they want this to be seed and Reverend Simfukwe says, not satisfied, not satisfied. This does not qualify to be seed material. Use it for cooking lembo. And this farmer would look in his eyes and say, you young boy, who do you think you are? And he would say, I know who I am. A seed certifying officer from the Ministry of Agriculture. Guess what? If I do not certify you, you won't sell your seed. You stick up to something like that, like that, you will be persecuted. You say to people at your workplace, come at eight. If you are in management, report for work at eight hours. You don't report at eight hours. I will write you a warning letter. They might bewitch you for standing up for what is right. Go to an accident scene. And said to the people, the vehicle was flipped, and this vehicle carries sugar. And he said to them, you won't last. For standing up for what is right. In fact, they'll look at you and think, are you okay? Because if you want to go to the house, no, do what is right. Do what is right. I remember one of the questions in the class of ethics were asked. If, for instance, there was a thief, and I think it happened in Zambia, in Indola, I think it's Barclays or some bank, thieves store money. And the question was, if you found this money, <laughs> in, in, in uh, this trunk, kwacha, brand new. <laughs> you find the trunk as a Christian will you take it all to the police or first take a little bit I mean in that class this is a class where ministers are being trained the answer was <laughs> it's money we are talking about it's money you know, I mean it's, that's, it's not you have stolen you just found it it's okay now take then take to the police because when you take they won't say thank you but here is even what is what you take to the police they will take a bigger chunk and take little to court well, when it goes to the court guess what will happen the court will take a little more <laughs> so you just do what everybody is doing blessed are they who mourn and they mourn because they are suffering for doing what is right. 
you probably have been accused of all sorts of things for simply pointing out that this is what must be done. It's the right thing. It's the right thing. I ask again, beloved, do you mourn over sin? Personal? Corporate? Because of pursuing righteousness. But notice in the text, it's not just mourning in the above senses, but it is mourning deeply and sincerely over and about sin in us and in others that fits in that category of being blessed. It's not just these crocodile tears, it's mourning deeply and sincerely. The verb used in the original, that word mourn, is the strongest word in the Greek language to communicate sorrowfulness. There is no other word in the Greek language that surpasses the strength, the depth, the intensity of this morning. This is not just the chimbo chamarillo. You, you know there are tribes where you do this. No, it's not that. It's a deep, sincere loss. And it moves you to grieve and plead forgiveness. It is the word that generally would be used when describing the desolation felt by someone mourning the death of a loved one. You've lost a loved one. People will tell that you really loved them. Doesn't matter how strong you are. Doesn't matter what your status in society is. They will tell. You may not cry loudly, but we will tell. And ladies many times are experts at this. Here is a lady who's lost a husband and I have a sister, she's very good at this. She goes to the funeral and she's crying and you're thinking, what time were you looking? She comes and says, how did you see her? How could you see that? No, no, don't try, but try. The point is that they are able to tell that she's not so much affected. I'm sure you've heard such stories. No, my wife and I know one, the husband died, and she was making phone calls and ordering chickens for the funeral, literally. And she's asking, in this house there are not enough big pots, can you please ask somebody to come and get money to go and buy pots so that we come and cook food on my husband's? funeral. We, we were surprised. Now this is a, a holy man of God, but he's surprised. The husband! No, 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 no. Something is wrong. Something is wrong. Now, if my wife does that when I die, which is 50 years from now, it's because she's overly spiritual. <laughs> you are able to tell. They'll probably run out of breath. 
probably to hold them. That's what Jesus is saying. That this mourning over sin is a serious issue. That when you reflect on the consequences of it, you drained of every ounce of strength. You go on your knees and cry out, what shall I do to enter heaven? It's because you mourn. May God grant that will be such mourners over sin. May when people meet you and they ask, where are you from? And you say, from Mundola Baptist Church. Let them say, that church is different. They mourn over their sin. But I'm going to Baptist. I went. Stop. Mourn over your sin, the sin of others. But if you suffer also, let, be your, let your suffering be because of pursuing righteousness. It is a mourning that Jacob experienced. Remember Jacob, his loved son, his brothers bring this robe and they say to him, this is the robe that belonged to your son. Here is what we read about that morning. In Genesis 37, 33 to 34. After Jacob was shown his son, Joseph's robe soaked in blood, we read, and he identified it and said, it is my son's robe. A fierce animal has devoured him. Joseph is without doubt torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his garments and put sackcloth on his loins and mourned for his son many Yes. That's the morning for sin. You and I must have. This morning over sin is deep, sincere, heartfelt sorrow. Sin must have tears, somebody has said, and these tears must flow before a person can enter the kingdom of heaven and assured of being comforted in glory land. Let me put it this way. If you've never gotten to this point, of realizing your sinfulness, you've never mourned over sin sincerely and deeply, you are probably not saved. I ask again, do you mourn over your sin? May I make this appeal to you? That if you need to talk, if you need to talk, the elders are there. There are mature women here. Don't go home without mourning over your sin. Come to Christ. Plead and shed your tears. Plead that he would save you. Oh, but are you a Christian and you've been living an unholy life? Deal with it radically. Please grieve over it. Oh, but let our mourning over sin spare us and motivate us to evangelize, to point people to Christ. Let us stand for what is right even when people say we are crazy and persecute us. Let us mourn over our sins. Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. God granting we focus on how shall we be comforted by God. God bless you. Amen.